Welcome to Safety Help with Tony Collins. Join him to learn how to improve workplace safety to be legally compliant, win more contracts and increase profits. Hi listeners, we've got a great and interesting show today. I've asked a good friend, Linda Nelson-Kai, to join us. Linda has a background in HR and has worked in HR roles. Um, And often health and safety is given to an HR manager. And basically I've asked Linda to come along and give her perspective and thoughts about the best way as an HR manager to get health and safety sorted. So Linda, how are you going? I'm very well, thank you, Tony. <laughs> so Linda, um, I know you've worked in HR and you've been given health and safety roles, but within your HR field, what sort of training do you need to be competent in HR and, and how much health and safety training is covered in, in general HR training? Oh, basically, if you're looking at getting into HR, you need the minimum of a bachelor's degree in either human resources or a related field, like, for example, industrial organisational psychology. Um, it was interesting that I've done a master's degree in, uh, in, in industrial organisational psychology, and most of the health and safety training that I had was actually in the psychology field rather than the HR or business field. And it was mostly also in the postgraduate rather than undergraduate so um, in my undergraduate degree, I, I was exposed to it, but it was more in the sense of familiarity with the Health and Safety in Employment Act and, uh, and, and just your basics, you know, you eliminate, isolate, minimize. That was sort of the thing that was drummed into us more than anything else. And so it's that awareness of potential hazards in the workplace and how you can potentially deal with it. But in terms of actually there being specific uh, health and safety training, there wasn't a great deal in my undergraduate degree. Hey, that's really interesting because what I've found is um, it's relatively simple to for people to grasp the concepts around hazard or risk controls and and a systems approach. But I think the the, the biggest challenge is around psychology about how people think um, and and therefore how to change behaviours and and the like. So you mentioned you've you did a lot a lot of psychology. So. How did you find that helped in any way? Uh, yeah, I found that really interesting. I mean, one of the one of the biggest things um, when you are engaging with health and safety in the workplace is that often it's seen by employees as a box ticking exercise, and they don't take it that seriously. So, in order to get them engaged with it and uh, and and for them to actually take it on board and to run with it, some psychological principles are actually quite good. You know, just a few things like uh, getting them involved in, in the in the planning of it, the people that it affects um, particularly, and um, you know, in New Zealand especially, there's a bit of a mindset of um, there's a bit of a mindset of you know there's the she'll be right attitude um, or also just the the culture of well we've always done it this way and you know no one's had a serious accident yet so it's okay yeah yeah I understand so so what particular problems or challenges have you faced working within HR roles around uh, implementing health and safety systems given given what you've just said um, again, the biggest issue was uh, was getting buy-in. I've I've not worked in a, um, in a in a high risk environment, so I've been more in office kind of environments where it's more of a low risk environment. And and especially because there's no oh well, you know it's not like we're working with big heavy machinery or anything like that. There's it's it's a bit of a happy go lucky kind of attitude towards health and safety. Um, fortunately, I have been working for organisations who are best practice organisations and uh, they do take it seriously. And so even in an office environment, um, it, it's, it, it's one of those things that 
that those things are there and they can be really little things like ergonomics, just the way that your workstation is set up. Um, you know, people complaining of, you know, what used to be known as RSI, repetitive strain, and just small things like sw swapping hands with your mouse can make a big difference to a person's long-term health when it comes to their um, their ability to maneuver their, their arm, their wrist, their hands, um, and, and also when it comes down to sick days and things like that. So it can be really little things that make a big difference over time. Um, another thing that we had was we had um, sales reps out in the field, and so we had a very spread out uh, employee base. And so what and and the, we had issues where you know with our, our range of reps, we had teeny tiny women up to big strapping men, and the way that the fleets were managed, the car fleets were managed, was we were expecting these very different body shaped people to be fitting into these vehicles and uh, we were having issues where we had a particularly petite woman who was really struggling literally to reach the pedals of her car which is a bit of a health and safety issue if she can't <laughs> drive safely yeah. um, to, to, to you know to people who were having quite bad back problems because they were carrying a lot of promotional material and they weren't lifting them well in and out of the backs of their cars or they didn't have the best cars for that kind of work. So um, so what we did was we got um, – we got, uh, again, because they were spread throughout the country, we got in consultants from where those people were and just got them to assess their um, their, their cars that, and, and their, their lifting techniques and all that sort of thing to help improve that. And we actually had significant um, significant improvements in terms of uh, reduction in sick days and also even just complaints as well. You know, people reported back to say that, you know, their backs were feeling much better, etc. So it does make a big difference. Well, okay. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot there um sort of want to dig into a little bit deeper the the, the first part there is um you said you brought in you brought in consultants um and i'm assuming that's to look at the technical aspect of ergonomics or manual handling around uh the the task around car loading or unloading I, i'm assuming um mm -hmm. how, how did that work for you bringing in somebody outside your organization um, and getting them to quickly understand, you know, anything unique to what what your staff were doing. Um, well, there were only two of us in our HR team, and for uh, I think we had about 180 employees, and uh, so so it was kind of that the health and safety stuff kind of fell onto onto my tray, if you like. Um, it, it was partially a time element for us. And as in to do health and safety properly, you really need to dedicate a decent amount of time to it. Uh, but also expertise. I mean, neither of us were experts in ergonomics or lifting or anything like that. So again, uh, both of us came from an HR, uh, generalist HR background, where we knew the basics, but we didn't really know the nitty gritty of how to deal with that sort of thing. So really, it was a bit of a no brainer when it comes to getting in consultants for that sort of thing, just for the amount of time that it saves you and also to get the right level of expertise as well. And uh, as I say, we, we did we did see some good results from it, so it was definitely worth it. Yeah, I suppose one question that jumps out to me that perhaps listeners may have in a similar situation at the moment, uh, they're sitting at work, they've been told to sort out health and safety within within the workplace. Um, and how, how do you go about or how did you go about convincing um, your, your boss or your management that you needed support or help in, in a particular area? 
Uh, the place that I was working at was a was a best practice organisation, and it did take things like that seriously. So it actually wasn't that difficult. Um, we had an annual review of the policies. We were actually at the at the point we were we were reviewing our entire policy manual, and so health and safety came under that umbrella of what we were going to do. That so it was part of that bigger strategic review, if you like. Um, and again, we didn't have we didn't have the level of expertise. We already had the, the organisation already had a relationship with uh, a health and safety consultant. So we we used we used that person that the the organisation already had a relationship with. And when it came to getting people um, outsourcing further down the further around the country, uh, we actually used our our local health and safety uh, contact to coordinate that for us. Okay. Um... What sort of disadvantages are there? A few spring to mind, and I don't know if they're relevant or not. And one thing for me is when you get in a a consultant or an advisor in any form, the best outcome is to embed that knowledge as a system within your business so that you're almost, you know, teaching, teaching a person how to fish as opposed to providing them the fish. And in this case, um, if, if you had to continually bring in a consultant, to provide technical advice, um, you're kind of buying the company into an, an ongoing commitment. Uh, to me, that's a potential disadvantage. Did did you have that issue at all? And if you did, how did you get around that? Um, not at all. In fact, we took um, quite a few learnings from the consultant that we that that we brought in because with our office staff, we actually got them to go and have a look at every single office. Um, desk setup, uh, looking at things like the chairs, like the level of where the, where the screen was, looking at any uh, ergonomic issues that there might be. And we got some really valuable material f- from them that we actually started implemented and started using it into our induction process. So that basically from that point on, we were able to use that knowledge um, to, for our new employees. So we weren't having to continually get them back every time that we had a new person in because we were actually able to learn something from it as well. Okay, great. And what about this, this, back to the psychology as we started off with this um, and, and getting buy-in, how was it perceived, and this is probably a difficult because we're asking now what we think other people are thinking, but um, how do you think staff perceived consultants coming in to, to help them? Was that seen as a positive or, or uh, was it kind of a potentially a negative from the staff's point of view? Uh, as I said earlier, it's often seen as a box ticking exercise when it comes to health and safety, and it's not taken as seriously as it could have. So I, I would say it was probably split, as in the people that were experiencing pain or issues or discomfort in their, in their workspace, they saw it as a fantastic thing. Mm-hmm. For other people who it wasn't really an issue for them, they saw it probably as a bit of a waste of time and money. Right. Okay. But of course, we can't help and make everyone happy the whole time, but we're helping those that need it um, at, at this time. Absolutely. And, and I mean, the thing is, it's great if, if, you, if you're not having issues in, in your workspace and, you know, if it's just a matter of tidying away a few cords so that you don't trip over them or electrocute yourself, then, you know, that's all very well and good. Yeah. But, um, but, but you know, for the people that were experiencing pain, and a lot of it was, you know, people sitting in front of their computers for extended hours at a time, not doing the little things like taking a break and stretching and, and just looking around the room, giving your eyes a rest. Um, things like, yeah, overuse of a, of a mouse that was actually starting to cause them 
pain in their arms and and so just little things like the consult I mean it seems like a little thing but but when you're doing it every day you just don't think to go oh well maybe I'll use the mouse with my other hand you know it's um and and also in in some ways I think having an external consultant uh, can give it a little more weight, if you like, as well, than if it's somebody, and it, I guess it depends on, on the credibility of the individual in the workplace, but um, if they're not seen as a health and safety, uh, it really does depend on the culture of the workplace. But if, if the individual doing it doesn't, um, doesn't, doesn't have the reputation of being a health and safety expert or if they are known as a box ticker or whatever the case may be, then it's not really going to be taken that seriously. Yeah, I think uh, the strong par- parallels with you know, uh, parents with kids, you can tell your your child uh, or suggest a course of action or what they should be doing or, or what mum and dad know until they hear it from someone else. <laughs> Absolutely. <really> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. And um, one of the most difficult things around safety is is justifying the expense of why you're putting money into it because the ultimate outcome is for nothing to happen. And and so was there a way to feedback to management any performance indicators that could show value from bringing in a, an outsider, in this case, um, around manual handling? Um, in, in this case, yes. Um, we did self-reports back. We asked uh, the the sales reps in the field uh, who had had the because especially because we didn't know the consultants in the fields. They were they were secondary uh, and had been recommended by by the consultant that, that the one that we were familiar with. Um, so it was very important for us that we knew that the consultants that that had been taken on for the people in the field were also doing a good job and that we were seeing results. Um, so we. We, um, we received a report from the consultants after they'd seen each of our reps um, and we also got the reps to report back to us um, I th- immediately afterwards just to see just to see get their feedback from it and uh, and also further down the track just to sort of see if uh, if things had improved for them with their physical discomfort um, but uh, a pretty hard uh, I, I guess pretty hard message if you like is is the the sick days that, that there were fewer sick days that were taken as a result so in terms of uh, quantitative data it's pretty strong great okay Right. Uh, is is there anything else that you can add to this from from your experience around getting a consultant in uh, before we put the consultant side or the technical expert uh, component aside? Is there anything pros or cons around getting a consultant in? Um, I guess I mean the obvious con is that is that it is an extra expense, and if it's not supported by your senior management team, then it's going to be a very difficult thing to do. But on the other hand, if you look at the cost, the potential cost of a risk and uh, and whether that be as minor as sick days, uh, which is obviously at a cost to the organisation, um, effectiveness of work performance, all those sorts of things. I mean, it's it's unless you have the expertise yourself in order to do it, then it's it's not going to be done properly and it's only ever going to be brushed over. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, there are pros and cons. I think ideally, if able, the best outcome is for for it to be driven within within the organisation for staff to pick it up and run with it. Um, there are strong parallels with accounting. Um, you know, a business will manage their finance, but often they may have to outsource it depending on how big their business is to an accountant or software. Or if they're large enough, they will then employ their own people. But they still may need technical 
expertise. So really, it's horses for courses. That's right, and uh, and again, it depends on the uh, on the workplace environment as well. I mean, uh, for a, for a low risk environment like we were in, there there is there is no point in having a health and safety expert um, on the team as a permanent st- as permanent staff. Whereas if you are in a high risk, if you're in a high risk. Um, Using heavy machinery, uh, whatever the case may be, uh, where there is there are high risks of health and safety, then definitely have your own expert on board. Sure, and I know you've got a HR consultancy, so you've been exposed to a number of high risk organisations as well. What are your experiences from from what you've seen so far around different ways of dealing with health and safety? Uh, it's interesting because it, it kind of depends on the organisation and the culture of the organisation. Again, um, for organisations that are that can be a high risk, that they're not necessarily, you know, you just see that the, the even just the stats on workplace accidents in New Zealand are incredibly high. And when you go, you know, it's New Zealand's over legislated, blah 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 blah. When it comes to health and safety, yet we still have an appalling record in the workplace with health and safety accidents. In which case, the message is clearly not getting through. And 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 just because you've got people at the top, whether it be managers, whether it be HR, whoever, who are implementing these HR strategies, if it's not actually followed through on the shop floor or wherever the case may be, if the employees aren't doing it, then you're wasting your time and your money, and something seriously needs to be addressed there. Yeah, well, that's fantastic. I think um, and totally agree. There's there's going to be a big change in New Zealand around health and safety across the board uh, this year, 2013, uh, and hence the reason for this podcast and video channels. Um, I'm personally going to take it on myself to have a crack and provide good information to people out there who do want to make a difference. So, so thank you for coming along and helping. Is is there anything before we sum up? Anything you want to add in general? Um, I guess just something that we sort of didn't really touch on was the the psychological side of health and safety. And in fact, workplace stress is part of the Health and Safety Act as well. And uh, and it's sort of something that's that's kind of neglected as well as a as a softer part of health and safety because it's easier to look at the at the high risk stuff and the physical stuff. But I'm um, thinking about the psychological well being of your employees as well is really important. And it is something that gets forgotten. Hey, that's a good point. And, and if I can twist you, maybe I can get you back at another time to talk about stress. <laughs> okay. No problem. Hey, Linda, so that's, that's great. Now, if people want to get hold of you for, for HR advice, how do they go about doing that? Uh, probably the best way is through my website, which is www.hrconsultant.co.nz. Hey, great. And I'll have those details on the website. If you're listening to the podcast, it still will be on the website, safetyhub.co.nz, and just go and search for via the title of the podcast. Okay. Hey, thank you, Linda, and we'll catch you another time, hopefully. Thanks, Tony. This has been another episode on Workplace Safety by Tony Collins. For more tips, visit safetyhub.co.nz and join the free newsletter.